Mark Silva, the Airbag Silverback, and you're listening to the DMT Podcast. Hey, this is Lewis Spears, and you're listening to the DMT Podcast. Not to be confused with the DMT Podcast, which is just about drugs. This one's better. This is Melvin's on KS from Digital, and you're listening to the DMT Podcast. This is Josh, the Act Shooter, and you can check out myself on the lovely DMT Podcast. See you on the flip side. Hey, this is the innovator of violence, Tommy Dreamer. This is the DNT Podcast, taking you to the extreme. All right, welcome one, welcome all. This is episode 11 of the DNT Podcast. I am Gavin. And I am Jesse. Last week, House of Hardcore, amazing show. Yeah. Got to chat with uh, Dennis Cometti's son, Mark, the Outback Silverback Silver, about his uh, time here in Melbourne. But instead of that, let's talk about Australia's worst cyberbully. Yes, cyberbully superstar Lewis Spears is on the line with us. How are Woo! you, mate? Hey, boys. Thanks for having me. I'm very well. Um, I'm just, just ramping up to bully some 12-year-olds online, ruin their lives. Or at least that's what you know, the news says. But uh, I've got to live up to my expectations. <laughs> oh, always wonderful <laughs> to hear from perfect. you. That's perfect. All right, so uh, let's quickly jump into this. We have a, a little story about you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were at your first uh, official, I guess, stand-up show, uh, the Melbourne comedy stuff last year or year before? La- last year. Yeah. Oh, fucking sick. Yeah, we first went the first yeah, one. the first one. Yeah, you probably remember us because our mate was the one yelling out a penis on a forehead. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that was our yeah, mate that we brought I, along I from Singapore. Bit, um, for those of you who don't know, I did this bit where I would get a girl on stage and I would improvise a love song using suggestions from the audience. So I would have three things. I would get people to yell out where we met where I took her on her first date and then a physical deformity that she has. And on this particular night, someone yelled that she had a dick on her forehead, which isn't, I don't know if it's, it's a, it's a definitely a deformity. It's not one you see all the time. Is it a disability? Could you get disability parking for that? (laughs) (laughs) I suppose because you'd be that embarrassed. You'd need a shorter shorter run from the shop to the car. It'd be a bit of an eyesore, wouldn't it? I don't know. I mean, as we see in the media now, if you have a penis, it's your fault. And if you have a vagina, it's all okay. (laughs) (laughs) that's That's a bold statement yeah a bit of a bold statement yeah well um yeah we wanted to get on to talking about your recent comedy tour because um we're actually really interested to hear how that went because i unfortunately got sick when i bought tickets so i had to hand them over to a friend but um yeah I, I, i was pretty pissed off about that i I don't think you'd want me rocking up to your show spewing my guts out. <laughs> yeah, that was um, – this tour was was mental. Like it was – because I I just got – it's kind of interesting talking about stand-up now. According to Facebook, it's two years to the day today that I first stepped on stage. Oh, wow. And I, for some reason, thought it was three. I don't know why I thought it was three. I just thought that, like, there's no way I could have done stand-up for two years and toured twice. It doesn't make sense. Jesus. But apparently that's what's happened. Um, Facebook says that it's true. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. That's how I live my life. Um, but, yeah, this this show was amazing because, uh, of course, I'm a lot better at it now. I sound probably twice as better. And I was really proud of the first show. Like, I thought the first show was a genuinely good stand-up show. But I thought that this show 
was was really what I what I wanted to achieve with stand up because my first show, my first show was a bit more. I'm going to tell here's a two minute joke about this, and then here's another two minute joke about that, and then I just kept going like that to the end of the show. But whereas with this show, because I was a lot better at stand up, I was like, here's 15 minutes on hairdressers, uh, and then I just I'm just going to do much longer more pure kind of stand-up bits. And um, I also had the story of how my show was almost cancelled last year, which was which was great. But, um, yeah, this tour was, was mental in terms of... I thought the show was genuinely a lot better and the turnout was crazy. For example, I had more people come to Melbourne this year than I did nationally last year. Oh, wow. That's unbelievable. Was it the same venue as last time? Uh, yeah, it was the same venue, but it was in the biggest room they have. So, oh, fantastic. so your head wasn't I touching did. the roof then? No, it actually wasn't. Yeah, my first show, I, my head touched the roof. This show, I had, I had a couple of inches. It was great. Oh, that's good. I, to could, have that I could stand up straight and jump like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, um, yeah. So, with the whole comedy thing, um, it's kind of exploded for you. I've noticed, considering from your early beginnings with Face Beef and um, mm. as Ned's Ad- Adlai as well. Because I remember that back in high school, um, yeah. seeing all that sort of stuff and having a friend from my high school as well get you to sign a Bible and ended up finding out about you through that way. Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah. I still I think about that every now and then when I'm just like, I shouldn't have signed that. I can't, <laughs> I can't sign a Bible. I didn't have anything to do with it. I was just sitting in class one day and he, he kept going on about Neb's Adelaide and face beef. I'm like, who, who are you talking about? Then um, he told me like, oh, you know, we went to the... Um, the Geno- was it Janoskins? Yeah, the Janoskins yeah. thing. And I got him to sign my Bible. I'm like, <laughs> who is this <laughs> yeah, fucking guy? Yeah, that's the guy? weirdest thing I've signed, still to the day. <laughs> I, I think all the things that I've signed, it's definitely the Bible. Oh, that is unbelievable. But yeah, um, for, well, obviously I want to talk about the early beginnings with you. Yes, generic questions, but <laughs> I, I really want to know because I, I still don't know to this day because I only discovered you um, about... Couple of years ago. Couple of years ago, yeah. Um, just going through all those reviews and yeah. stuff like that. Well, videos and stuff you did, and seeing all the shit that went on with Face Beef. Um, how did that all come about with Face Beef? Uh, it's it's quite a confusing origin because it was it was always just to fuck around and for fun. So I rem- I know that the first a lot of people think that that Tristan and I were the first people on it, but that's not actually true. The the first there was a guy before both of us. He it was Tristan. It was it went the guy who created it originally, and Face Beef was just literally screenshots of people's having arguments. <laughs> so it wasn't no one ever caused them. It was just like it was like a documentary of Facebook arguments. So every, someone would have a Facebook argument, people would send it in, and then they'd post it. And then Tristan got involved and because uh, he was like, look, I can make this a lot more efficient by starting the arguments <laughs> <laughs> and making and making them funnier. And then that's when it started to get a little cult thing. And then <clears throat> I became aware of it and I was also just doing that on my own for no reason. Like I was just, just internet trolling, like classic fucking 2010, 2011 internet trolling. Um, well, that was the it, best when, days. When it was, <laughs> Yeah, when the internet was kind of the when it when social media first kind of came out and Facebook was here and and there was no real moderators. It was like if, if a person was a dick, it was like ah well he's a dick, don't worry about it. You know there wasn't a massive 
thing. No one got banned and there's and all that shit. But then, so I was just being an asshole in a funny way, just for my own entertainment. And then um, the guys at Facebook noticed that, and then got me involved. And then and we just kept doing what we were doing and and harassing people. And well, not harassing. We never harassed people, but just being just doing what we thought was funny, just trolling. And, and then it just kind of blew up from there, turned into this massive cult thing, especially in Melbourne. You know, like there's still so many people who who remember Face Beef in, in a really positive light or a hugely negative light, depending <laughs> on which side of the beef they're on. Yeah, especially the media would probably be the negative side, but the negative oh, yeah, yeah, media can go fuck themselves. <laughs> Cyberbullying! <laughs> yeah, Susan McLean and her laptop stand. Oh yeah, you, yeah. She, um, I'm actually, I'm going to be doing a video with her. That's what I'm coming back with, Lou Review, because because she, my show this year was called "They Tried to Cancel Me Last Time," and the reason is her. She almost got my first show cancelled. Oh, what a bitch! Really? Yeah, I can I can talk about it now because first I couldn't talk about it because you know my show was almost cancelled. It was actually you know quite close to literally being stopped. Yeah, if you um, went ahead and said so something, I wouldn't been talk it. about it. Yeah. Um, and then I and then I decided that I was going to talk about it in my live, my second show. That was the best place to talk about it. So I didn't want to you know blow it uh, for people who hadn't seen the show. But now the show's done, mm. so I can actually you know talk about it. Um, what happened was when I announced my show Cyberbully Superstar. For those of you who don't know, Susan McLean is a cyberbullying expert. She's a woman who makes a lot of money out of uh, scaring the shit out of parents uh, about the internet. Um, and she was on A Current Affair and Today Tonight when we tricked them into running a fake story. So she looked very silly and she had a bit of a vendetta against us. And she was always coming on those shows and talking about how bad we were and, and all that stuff. <laughs> yes. and my favorite thing that she said was, without the internet, he would be no one. Which is kind of like saying, without a pool, Michael Phelps would be a shit swimmer. Yeah, pretty much. Makes sense. Oh, um, that's amazing. So, yeah, so she ended up, uh, I announced my show Cyberbully Superstar because that's what she called me, a cyberbully. So I'm like, oh, I, just, I just embraced it to take the piss out of her. And then she complained to the venue. Uh, and the venue I was at was just a hotel. They weren't like a performance space. Their, yeah. their, their conference rooms were converted into stages. So they don't really lose any face for cancelling shows. They just lose a little bit of money. So they were like, fuck, uh, you're hosting a cyberbully. What's going on? Because this woman, she's quite reputable. She's been in the news and, <laughs> and she's got a reputation behind her for being someone who tells the truth. Um, and basically she, she contacted them and said that I've been arrested for online harassment and I, I make fun of cyberbullying and I cyberbully people and, and just a whole bunch of lies. And the venue understandably freaked out. Uh, it took them a while to realize that she was lying. Um, and it really stressed me out. It was like just before the show and it was on the cusp of being canceled. But mm. we turned it around and then we ended up doing it. And then um, it went really, really well. Uh, so I figured the best place to talk about it would be at my second show. And I called the show they tried to cancel me last time with a big reference to her. Um, <laughs> and filmed all the shows. I, I did a bit of a on-stage stuff to do with her, which all, will all be revealed when Lure Review comes back in the next couple of weeks. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah I've, been, I've been brewing on this for fucking almost two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I... I'd, I do remember hearing about all the shit that she used to say about you and face beef, mm. and it used to crack me up a lot because I think that was around the time when I was in probably around year twelve or something, year eleven, year twelve when that was going on. But um, oh yeah, um, 
interesting story. I'm glad you told me because I, I was actually quite shattered that I didn't get to hear all these stories from the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and by the way, of course, my friends ended up enjoying the show. Definitely. Oh, that's oh, good. Yes. Yeah, which is, po- which is positive. I'm always happy that people come to the shows and enjoy it because it's, it's like a, it's an interesting thing. When you do online comedy, like people – People come to the show with an expectation because you've already proven that you're funny. So they come to the show uh, with an expectation of if he's not at least this funny, I'm going to be disappointed. It's kind of different from when you go to a stand-up comedian's show where you're like, oh, if he's if he's a little bit funny, I'll be happy. With the YouTubers and the TV guys, it's like he has to be at least this funny or I want my money back. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's always... It's always really cool to hear that people who like, because my online and my stage stuff, I think is quite different. Like my online stuff is, you know, uh, quite internet humor, but my standup is, 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 you know, standup comedy. Like that's what I love doing is, is proper standup. I don't like talking, just raving on about. So remember when I did this YouTube video and then I play a video on a projector, I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's also two very different uh, platforms. Cause I mean, like with the internet stuff, you can record it. And then uh, chop it up and edit it in a certain oh, way. Oh yeah. Up up on stage, it's one go, one take. That's it. Yeah, that that's right. Like you know, I can spend three hours on a lure review, and that's a ten minute video. Whereas you know, if I say something wrong, I can just be like, oh, I'll just film that again. But if I fuck up on stage, it's just oh well, they all saw it. <laughs> mm. That's part of the show. They're gonna remember. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've always been curious. Where did you get the? How did you decide on coming up with the name Nebs Adelaide for? face beef i'm really curious Uh, (laughs) how did that come about well well, i i when i first got involved with it i was still in high school i was in year 12 um and i was a little bit iffy about having my name no this is the uh, this is why okay so i was in high school and I always wanted to get on a current affair. I always wanted to get a fake story on a current affair because my my comedic idols and the people who I grew up on are the chasers, um, and especially yeah. the chasers more and everything. And I know they tried many, many times to get a fake story on a current affair, and they never could do it. Yeah. And I was always like, I would love to do the one thing that you know my my people just couldn't do. You know, the guys that I look up to and the guys I, I aspire to be like couldn't do. I'd love to do that. Um, so I, I figured the best way to do it would be to start off on face beef as an anonymous. Cause not only was I under Neb's Adelaide, but I was also anonymous. I covered my face with a hoodie. The original plan was I was going to get Neb's Adelaide to cyber bully Lewis Spears. So I would do like an interview with a current affair as Lewis in person. And then maybe something over Skype as Neb's. And that just fantastic. That was the original idea, but it just it just didn't work out. And and I, I ended up staying anonymous for for like six months and I was just getting sick of it. I was I wanted to do this idea, but I was a current affair weren't biting. We sent them emails and they and they just weren't interested. Um, yeah. and then and then I ended up revealing myself uh, with a when I, when I um, yeah, ended up revealing myself, and then uh, as soon as I revealed myself, we did like consecutively a whole bunch of big things. Tristan did some huge things, I did some big things, and then the media was suddenly interested, and that's when we had the opportunity to do the current affair thing. But um, yeah, that's why I was uh, anonymous was was um, 
just to to get that and which which I can never do now you know I would never be able to do that <laughs> I, I do remember seeing that story that you guys ended up um working with with um you know Tristan with the Nazi yeah. suit uniform oh, and all that sort of stuff yeah that that was a definitely a hit with my mates. I'll tell you that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we we every every week we'd be talking about it. We'd just be like, "Oh, what's that? This is what's happened on with Facebook this week." Oh, you know, um, the, the well, current yeah, affairs like story. A, it you was know? a big cultural thing because I guess I guess just nobody was doing that. Nobody was kind of making let's just call us shit for no reason. We don't care comedy. Um, and 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 it was like. It, that time was the only time that I think that kind of comedy online or on Facebook anyway could be done because Facebook now, you do anything mildly offensive and it just gets deleted. They're so on top of their deleting and banning shit. Um, like, you know, you can go, you can even, like some feminists who are too feminist get banned. Some people who are too men's rights get banned. It's like Facebook is kind of like, if you believe something too much, we're going to try and curtail that. Yeah. So, but back when we were doing it, the, the moderation was just not good at all. So you could kind of post whatever you want. Yeah, you could probably, you could get away with a lot more back then as well. You know, cause was, yeah, was, like, for, I mean, yeah. for example, I don't, I'm pretty sure you can't even create a Facebook page called Face Beef anymore or with the name Face Beef in it. Because it, we got deleted and we recreated it that many times that they were like, fuck these guys. We're gonna ban the use of the term. <laughs> mm, I did. I've actually. I did look at that up at one stage. Look, um, doing some research for this podcast. Obviously, doing my homework, and I did look for a Facebook beef page, and it was pretty hard to come across anything related to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me because Facebook are a bunch of pricks. Um, and that's just from personal experience, <laughs> um, especially with like pages and stuff like that. We've had a few issues especially our youtube page which actually got blocked as soon as we started it <laughs> no videos on it and yeah already yeah wow i know actually speaking about uh, uh pricks and banning and all that let's get into everyone's favorite big nose fuck so flow antonio <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, oh mate yeah i actually don't know what's happening because i ended up blocking the page and unfriending all my friends that liked his page so Such i don't know what's idea. happening so I guess uh, you're probably a bit more up to date with the SoFlo. What's going on there? Well, ever since that video where I kind of, where I just said, Sumi can't, like ever since then, he's just gone off the rails um, because because the, the guy, he's just, you know those guys that are just too confident with, but with not much of a reason? Like yeah. they're really, really confident in themselves and like, yeah, I'm the best. But you, you try and look at it and you're like, ah, oh, I just don't think that you know. I don't think you understand that you're not that good. I think he was just one of those guys that was just so, so confident and had this can't lose attitude and that he went around. Like we figured out by speaking to Marcus Dibble and, and Ethan from H3, H3 Productions, we figured out that he'd been sending the same threats of suing people copying and pasting it to a, to a whole bunch of people anybody who made a video got the same message from him and he just never he just never had the idea in his mind fuck this might backfire on me one day someone will say something he just cuz cuz you know getting getting legal threats it's scary if you haven't dealt with it before i remember the first time i got mine where it's like i'm going to sue you for defamation i was like fuck what's that 
you know like yeah it, it is a scary thing and and to think that that there's probably are so many people that he sent them to before me and before um hates three hates three or marcus that that just saw that and were like fuck i better take it down you know and they actually do it um yeah. and i heard from a lot of people who took their shit down because he just you know scared them but since you know my video and a whole bunch of other videos, you know I'm not going to take credit for it. But it's it wasn't really the videos; it was mainly just the community becoming aware of what he was doing from the videos, and then yeah. the community taking action against it and speaking out of it, rather than any one person doing it. Mm. He's kind of just laid low. Uh, he's done the smart thing. He's taken SoFlo Antonio, like his own face and personality, out of out of all of his brand, and now he's just one of those businesses. You know, now he just to the, to the average person, he just looks like another lad bible. Pretty much, that's yeah. It. yeah. But I guess like it was good, like um, a good thing. Like, yeah, I know you say you don't want to take the um, credit, the credit for it. But I mean, it was a good thing that you guys went out there and actually did the research on it and discovered he's full of shit. Sort yeah, of thing. and he's making money off of stealing other people's content as well, which is yeah. what we're. I, I pretty much would call him Mister Plagiarism at this point, considering the shit. Yeah. considering the amount well, yeah, of shit that he steals. It's kind of crap because. You know, even people like me who make a living out of comedy, I can't, can't afford to fucking sue anybody if they take my stuff. All I can do is say, hey, can you credit me for that? And then if they don't, I can send a copyright claim. But it really, there's not too much you can do at this point. Like the laws just haven't caught up with uh, internet entertainment. No. Absolutely, yeah. I've, I've, that's with everything as well. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're musicians. We're pretty aware of what goes on with, with the whole copyright issues and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's... It's unfortunate that it's like that, but it's good to see that you know, high-profile people like yourself, Marcus and um, Ethan, and Ethan from um, H3H3 are actually calling people out because yeah. isn't um, isn't um, Ethan going through some issues legally at the moment? Yes, yeah, Ethan Hill are going through some stuff at the moment. Uh, what uh, yeah, I haven't spoken to them about it, um, but uh, from the, the videos and what they've been putting on Twitter, is they're they're actually getting sued. Um, by a guy for defamation. Um, I've seen the video that they did on him. Um, I, I don't think it's defamation um, because defamation, a lot of people are like, if you call me a cunt, that can be defamation if it gets a million views. But yep. the, the thing with defamation, like this is a really good way to explain it that I love telling people. Um, there was a defamation. Defamation has to be one, untrue, so not the truth, and it has to hurt your reputation and you have to prove how it's hurt your reputation. So say you lose money, like people stop buying your stuff because someone called you a rapist, but you're not actually a rapist. That's what defamation is. So it has to be untrue. So if somebody says something really horrible, but it's true, it's not defamation, even if it hurts your reputation. So the court case I like pointing out is, is there was this uh, guy who was married to his wife and she was a real high profile. She wasn't famous, but she was a real high roller. And she was on a business meeting with uh, a couple of guys that she was doing a really big deal with. But she was also cheating on her husband with these two guys. And he found out about it. And he came to the restaurant where they were having the business meeting. And he called her a whore in front of all of the customers. And she lost the business deal. So she tried to sue him for defamation because she lost money. And all of these people in the restaurant thought she was a whore. But... Because the husband could prove that she was cheating on him, the judge was like, well, you are a whore. That's the dictionary definition of whore. And she lost the case. 
perfect. That's a perfect summer. It really is. <laughs> I love it. That's I don't, I don't think many people look into it. That's probably the first woman to ever be proven by a court of law to be a whore. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> There's that a little is, rhyme for the day. Oh, that is perfect. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It is quite a shame what's happening with Ethan and that. But, um, I mean, the, obviously the YouTube community's uh, all gotten together and helping out financially and whatnot. Yeah, I did see oh, that. Yeah, well, that's great. And, you know, being sued doesn't mean that they'll win, you know? No. No, of course not. Well, you never know. It's always a 50-50 with that sort of stuff. You never know yeah, what sort I'll, of shit Yeah, I'll be very interested to see how it comes out because, you know, if, if they did lose, that would set a precedent for people like me and, and other people that make videos similar to them that, fuck, this, you know, could be seen as defamation. Yeah, and it's... It, but I don't think they'll lose. I think it's fairly obvious that it's satire. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, it, uh, I, I don't know what to say about that. It's like it, best of luck to him during yeah. this case. Yeah. Absolutely, because you know, people, you need people standing up to people, um, to you know, all those sort of people like that. You know, you need you need you need people to stand up. Um, for well, that yeah, that's of, what for I their think. right for Nothing's their rights. Say anything, nothing's going to change. Exactly. Yeah, because YouTube, it seems like anyone can just send a copyright claim and your shit's down pretty much yeah that's, that, that's, that's it that's what it seems like have you gotten any strikes in your channel yeah I have I've, they've all been resolved but I have gotten quite a few strikes Ooh. from just people false sending false claims and yeah. and because you know the the very a lot of comedy is, is criticism like that's 50% of comedy it's very hard to make a joke that doesn't offend anybody unless you're you know telling chicken crossing the road jokes and then <laughs> the chickens might not like it <laughs> you can't really think of a joke that isn't critical of something in some way. So, and and unfortunately, a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm the joke. He's being critical of me. I can't handle it." But oh, you know, yeah. I, I I generally I don't think I've ever chosen a video to make fun of that didn't have a lot of attention and was made to get a lot of attention. Absolutely, and most of your videos are usually quite entertaining as it is. I always watch that sort of stuff, like the the um, what's the video with those pr- YouTube pranks as a cock TV or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. I, I, I show that to my mates and they crack, they crack up laughing every time they watch it. Just, just <laughs> b- actually, no. I was going to bring you bring this up with you. I, me and Gavin are actually um, gamers and I found a mod on Fallout the other day which I, I literally was pissing myself laughing for 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's a mod where you get... Um, are, you, are you aware of Fallout that much or...? Yes, yeah. yeah um, well, you get a fat man, and instead of it... Um, I've seen this. Yeah, I've where it um, shoots it. out the so Ethan Bradbury's. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I tried it, and I couldn't stop laughing. It was hilarious. So, I, I don't play Fallout, so it's a gun. It's 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 It shoots mini nukes. Mini nukes, but every time it goes, it goes, Ethan Bradbury? Yeah, every time. And I, I couldn't stop laughing. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was perfect. I found, I found... Oh, man. Any anything to do with that just cracks me up. But um, yeah, moving on. They're um, amazing pranks. <laughs> moving on. Speaking of Lou review, how did that come about? I'm I'm really curious as to how what I what gave you the idea to do Lou review. Well, I'm glad that I'm on an Australian podcast because I remember I did an interview with some American guys and they just didn't get this explanation. So Lou <laughs> review was never supposed to be a series. Lou review, the the first I, I had the idea. That I just wanted to parody Zoot Review. Do you remember that that ad? 
I do remember that. Uh, you might refresh yeah, my like memory. The, the milf in the supermarket talking about dishing dishwashing powder. Oh, those yes. ones. Like, welcome to Zoo Review. Here's some fucking powder. It'll be really good by it. Or like some sort um, of powder or like um, or cleaning product or some yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like an infomercial for Australians. So I was like, Zoo Review. Oh, that rhymes with Lou Review. I should, I should explain a product but talk about it badly. And then I did that, um, the Susan, Susan McLean's book on cyber safety. And then I hit the front page of Reddit. And I was like, fuck, this is a really <laughs> fun video to make. And people obviously really, really liked it. So then I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'll do another one. And then I did Adrian Van Oyen's evil. And then that hit the front page of Reddit and got like 400,000 views. I'm like, shit, well, I definitely got to do this all the time now. And because I, because it was, I was struggling to find a thing on YouTube that I did because I love doing skits, but skits are really hard to do regularly. So I was trying to find something that I could do myself, by myself, without relying on other people uh, on a regular basis. And I found out that that Lou Review was something that I really enjoyed um, making. And, and obviously, it people responded to it really well. So, uh, yeah, it just started off as a parody of Zoot Review, and then I just kept going, and then I figured out how to do it um, how to how to uh, work more efficiently and write more efficiently and get it out weekly instead of you know once a month that like I started off with and and here we are. That's there it. you go. Well, I mean, I guess you I guess you say you're not having to rely on people. I mean, it seems like Pinger Pete lives in your basement or something. So that <laughs> <laughs> uh, cunt doesn't live in my house. He just hangs around. He just I hangs around. It. He's just that junkie that hangs around the street. In. Yeah, I don't know how he hang, I don't know how he gets in because I lock the doors, but he just turns up. When I'm filming, and then somehow he edits himself into the videos, it's bullshit. Oh man, <laughs> hey, that'll be a that's an interesting story. Um, how did Ping and Pete come about? Obviously, it's a, a piss take on all those uh, clubbers or whatnot, Cloud Nine and all that bullshit. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: I've never done ecstasy. I've never done drugs at all, ever. Not even weed. I've never smoked. I've never drank or anything like that. Straight and, edge. And yeah, yeah, but I'm not a fucking douche about it, you know. <laughs> do what you want to do. Don't do heroin. Like, if you're doing heroin, I'm going to be a douche. Like, stop that. Yeah, but, absolutely. you know, I don't care. I'm not one of those people who are like, hey, man, can I have a cigarette? And I get one and I throw it away. I'm not going to be one of those kinds. <laughs> um, oh, my it's gosh. It's just, you know, it's just a thing that's, that's not for me. I saw people doing it. I'm like, ah, I just don't want to do it. But yeah, Pink and Pete is kind of like like a combination of all of the things that I have observed when I've gone to nightclubs dead sober and stayed there for hours. Cause a lot of, a lot of people are like, how can you make fun of this when you've never tried it? How do you know what to do and what to say? It seems like, you know, like people are almost disappointed when they find out that I don't do pingers every night. They're like, how do you know about this shit? I'm like, here's my theory. All of the knowledge that people piece together about drugs over you know a couple of months of, of doing them, yeah. that's from they remember little pieces of their night because they don't really remember it because they're they're drunk or they they've done drugs. But but me, I'm dead sober. I remember everything that happens. I see it all. Right? So all the knowledge that takes them a week to get, I get it in one night. I'm like, that's fucked. I'm gonna make ping of Pete. <laughs> and it's worked out perfectly. It has really sure. well. Are you gonna yeah. do another ping of Pete video by any chance in the future? Uh, I'm, I want to do a night in the life of Ping of Pete, but I'm trying to get, I want to do it properly. I want to get, I want to do it at a nightclub, uh, that, that lets us film there. But unfortunately, for some reason, I'm having a bit of trouble getting a nightclub to let me bring a dude called Ping of Pete 
and film it there because they're you know they don't want to encourage all that ecstasy stuff. Oh, absolutely because, not. <laughs> because people die <laughs> at their venues and they're not about that. But um, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sort it out. Maybe I could just rent out a bar that looks like a place. But I, I definitely do want to do a, a night in a life because one of my favorite videos was a day in the life of Pinger Pete. I was very, yeah. I'm very proud of that video. Oh, it's hilarious! It, it, it's it's mm. still it's still a favorite of mine. Um, Classic Darren Dart. Oh, yeah. mate! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's I've I've seen that before as well. Uh, so many times with people I uh, work with as well. They do the Darren Dart, which is disgusting. But <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I I didn't I I I always noticed a few people doing it, but I didn't know that it was as big as it was. Like as soon as that video came out. Everyone just sent me. It still happens. Like they're dare and dart. Like I do this. <laughs> I didn't know it was as big as it was. I think it's because it's probably a pretty shameful thing. Like nobody really does it in front of people. Like having a dare and a dart for breakfast. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I guess uh, moving on from all that. How'd you find transitioning from? I guess whatever you're doing before into deciding to ultimately do comedy. And then, you know, go from the internet to an actual stage. Well, I've, I actually I actually kind of fell into internet stuff. I knew from about 12 years old that I wanted to do stand-up comedy. I always knew that was what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian live on stage. I never really considered internet and YouTube, probably because it wasn't that much of a big thing when I was growing up. But um, yeah, I kind of fell into into face beef and 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 trolling and and doing that stuff, um, and YouTube and shit, and then ended up really enjoying that. But always in the back of my mind, I was I always knew that I was going to do stand up, um, and it wasn't until two years ago in 2014 when I first actually got on stage and did a set. I wrote five minutes of material. Um, that and then I just I got on stage and I just did it like I rehearsed it for three days and I was freaking out and I, and I was like I knew that I was going to do shit I was just like I know that I'm going to bomb and that's going to be okay because then I'm going to get better and then I got up on stage and I did it and I didn't bomb like I actually did okay like I got a lot of laughs only one of my laughs fell only one of my jokes fell flat and then I was like fuck this is what I want to do I can do this um, and then I and then I was at this weird point where I had this fan base it was a lot smaller than what it is now but i had this group of fans that that knew that i was funny and had this expectation of me to be at least this funny but my stage stuff was not as good as my videos so i was so i didn't tell anybody that i was doing it i kept it a secret i told i told very close friends but i didn't tell any of my fans that i was doing stand-up because i knew that as soon as i told them they would want to see it and it just wasn't you know it wasn't ready i was still very very new and it took me about eight months of just secretly performing every single week and getting good and building my skill set before I was like, yeah, this is now, this is now as good, if not better, than my online stuff. Um, and that's when I told everybody that I was doing it. And that's where I announced my tour and I did that. And um, that went really well. And then I, you know, I had, a, I got enough money to kind of leave to, to move my job down to from full time down to part time and do videos and, then with the next tour, I could just leave completely, and and now I'm here, and it's my job. That's fantastic. That's what we all. That's a, you always want success, and that's yeah. you you live in it, which is fantastic. Which like it was good. Like I don't think people quite understand how hard 
stand-up comedy can actually be. Because let's face it, yeah. any monkey can tell a joke, but it takes mm. it's difficult to tell a joke with a good with the right punchline and right uh, performance. Oh and yeah, the joke is almost the least important part. Exactly, it's the delivery. That's it, the delivery. Because uh, and and you know that because whenever you go to a show and you really liked it, and then you try and tell your friend your favorite joke, and they just don't like you were crying. But then you tell it, and they just weren't. They're just not laughing. And you're like, that's the fun. How is how are they not laughing? It's the funniest joke I've ever heard. It's because you're not delivering it like the comedian does it. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, I have the same thing every time I watch Amy Schumer, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I personally don't find it funny at all, but that's everyone's got different tastes. Everyone's got different yeah. tastes in comedians. Um, well, comedy is. It's like um, learning comedy. It's like. Imagine if you could, if you played piano, right? And the only time you could ever practice is on stage in front of people expecting a good piano player. That's what learning stand-up comedy is. Because exactly. you can write a joke and you can be like, I think this is funny, but you never know until you do it in front of people. Yeah, because yeah, I, I did want to get into a bit of stand-up comedy. I actually entered the uh, Royal Comedy Festival in 2012. Oh, no shit. How'd you go? Uh, I didn't get through because, unfortunately, I, I'm, a, I'm Italian, so a lot of my jokes are all kind of wog-related, which people can laugh with, but yeah. I kept on getting this criticism that, oh, your jokes sound like another comedian's, Joe Avati, uh, Italian-Australian yeah. comedian. They were just like, oh, your jokes sound way too similar to him. We think you're stealing his jokes sort of thing. <laughs> when you're not, because your nonna's, you get all this material from your nonna and your um, I get all from your grandparents nonna. anyway, <laughs> but it's, it's all too similar. Well, yeah, I mean, so. like if if you're a, if you're a, uh, that happens a lot with like people who just draw from this the same background, you know. Like I've I've told a joke about being tall, and then someone's like, "You stole it from Stephen Merchant," and I'm like, "Who's Stephen Merchant?" <laughs> And then uh, I figured out that that's the guy who wrote The Office with, with Ricky Gervais. And I when I watched his special, I'm like, fuck, that's the same joke. And it's not that I stole it. It's just we had the same experience because exactly. he's like 6'7 and I'm 6'8. Mm, ends up being co- and a coincidence at the end of the day. Um, is there any particular um, comedians that you would say you'd look up to? Other than um, The Chasers, like you said earlier, is there yeah. any particular comedians that you'd look at and you'd say, hmm, that's exactly... Um, my influence going into comedy? Uh, well, I, it actually wasn't till recently when I found stand-up comedians that are doing the stuff that I, that I want to do. Like when I first found out that I love stand-up was when I went to Leno and Woodley's show. And they're yeah. some of my favourite comedians. They're brilliant. I saw their farewell show. They're, some, they're both of them are my kind of, you know, my, in my top five, but I don't want to do comedy like them. I don't think I can. I, it's, it's a little bit too silly and, and lighthearted for me. I just don't, yeah. yeah, yeah, I just don't work like that, but I love, I love watching it. I just, I just can't write like that. My head doesn't work that way. Yeah. But the, the comedians that, that I suppose are, that are most what I would like to kind of emulate on stage uh, is... I like Jim Jeffries, but my ultimate is Bill Burr. He's my favorite oh, comedian. 100%. Definitely. Everything that he does from, you know, his podcast to his live stuff to even his TV show at the moment, F is for Family, is just some of the best, like, comedy. Whatever whatever he's doing, it's some of the best shit that I've ever seen, and that's what I really want to get to be like when I'm that age. Oh, that's amazing. Actually, I came across F for Family by accident on Netflix after watching uh, BoJack Horseman. It was yeah. suggested watch the entire series in the one night. 
fell in love and disappointed that there's no second season. Mm. But like absolutely, Bill's an amazing writer. Amazing writer. Oh, yeah. Well, they're working on season two at the moment. Oh, fuck yes. That's awesome. Fuck yes. You're yeah. lucky. My, um, you're lucky because my, my favourite show just got cancelled Yeah, Bummer doesn't get a second season. <laughs> I'm not happy about that. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to talk about your Snapchat stalking because um, I, I see it all the time and it gets quite entertaining seeing it. Um, how do you feel about having all these people follow you, Snapchat you, and then they don't go and say hi to you? <laughs> That's a funny thing, man. So <laughs> if you don't, if you don't, if you listen to this and you don't know, I, I get people when I'm out in the street. So pe- people do notice me and they say hi and they get photos and that's really cool. Um, but every every now and then I'll get a photo sent to my Snapchat of, that someone has just taken of me. Like I'll be I'll be at like a cafe. I'll leave the cafe and then ten minutes later I'll check my phone and it's a photo of me sitting down. I'm like, what the fuck? Who took this? Nobody <laughs> said hi. Um, <laughs> And it all started when I got one photo uh, of a guy who took a photo of me. And I, I think it was just some dude who took a photo and he's like, I see you or some weird shit like that. And then I was like, that's funny. And I put it online um, and then I called it Spot Nebs. And then <laughs> everybody saw that and was like, that's fucking great. Let's do that. And now pretty much every time I leave the house, when I get home, I check my phone and there's just photos Here's you doing this. Here's you doing that, and they and they don't say hi, which is so weird to me. They it's like a mobile team Z. <laughs> yeah, like like and and now I'll get people who are like, they'll say hi and they go, mate, I decided to stay hi instead of taking a photo of you. Like that's their they see me and they're like, do I say hi or do I take a photo? Which one should I do? <laughs> oh Jesus! Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I get both. Like they send it to me, and they're like, oh, "I took a photo, but I just really wanted to say hi. Is that okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, do whatever you want, mate. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Just don't rape me." <laughs> just yeah. yeah, Jesus, Def- definitely don't want those sort of fans. Yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> All right, so we're um, almost at the end. Last question for you: What is next for Lewis Spears? Uh, well. Right now I'm working on, um, I'm just renovating my whole film space where I'm filming because um, Lurview, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really in love with the, the project now. Like I finished my tour. I, I don't have any stand-up shows booked. I'm just having a break from the stage and I just really want to get my videos as good as they can be because I want to hit 300,000 subscribers this time next year. So I'm just, uh, I've put Lure Review on break for now while I buy a whole bunch of equipment. I'm getting a new microphone and I'm going to soundproof my room where I film and I'm going to change my backdrop. So I'm just kind of renovating and getting everything ready to, to visually look and, and also sound as good as it can be. Um, and I'm getting a new intro animated as well. We've got like a 3D animated intro coming, which just looks fucking amazing. Oh, fantastic. Oh yeah, it's it's so cool. We've been working on it for for about eight months because Jesus. it's just it's just that good uh, and that in depth. You guys, like, I can't even I can't even un- overstate how fucking sick it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way you put it there, definitely, I'm excited to see it. That's it. Well, yeah, you'll see, and and then I'm just gonna uh, yeah. My my aim is to just get as big as I can online, uh, and then start writing the next show. Uh, and then do the next tour in April of next year with a brand new show. I'm trying to do one new show every single year that gets better than the last as I improve. Uh, and then hopefully late next year, I'm hoping to release a stand-up comedy special. Oh, awesome. F- 
fantastic. Yeah. Definitely all the best of luck of for that. people who just aren't in a position to see me. They live too far away. Um, so mm. I'm just trying to get that done for people and, and just like get the, the best hour of material from my three years of stand-up and from what will be my three years of stand-up and um, just put that out there and see if I can get it on Netflix or if not, I'll just put it on my website and I'll, I'll uh, you know do a digital download like Louis C.K. does. Oh, awesome. Is, yeah. there, is there a desire to do another um, Melbourne um, Comedy Festival or is that under wraps? Oh, yeah, definitely. I love the festival. Melbourne Comedy Festival is great. Um, there's nothing like it. Like, There's lots of other comedy festivals in different states, but I don't like doing them because they, they're, they don't... Like Melbourne, the Melbourne Comedy Festival is a real cultural thing. People go to the festival. They're like, oh, the festival's on. Let's see comedy. Who's on? Oh, I like Lewis. I'll see him. Whereas the other festivals are more kind of money-making business things. Like businesses own them rather than the city. Yeah. Um, so I like doing Melbourne Comedy Festival because I used to go growing up and I think it's a great thing here. But what I'm going to do next year is I'm going to do less shows. I'm going to do less shows in bigger theatres. Because um, last year and the year and this year, I did twelve shows in a row, which was awesome. I got so much better just with that amount of stage experience and stage time. But now I think I'm ready for the for the big theaters. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic to hear that. Definitely, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully, this time around, I won't be fucking sick, and I'll be actually able to come along and uh, say absolutely. hi. Well, yeah, there'll be a lot less chances, man. I think I'm only going to be doing a couple, but um, we'll be there uh, like, front and yeah, center. I'll be. Uh, I'll be very excited to see you there, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely for sure. Well, thank you very much for uh, sitting down doing this interview. Yeah, we got 10 minutes over over the time, but we really appreciate your time. Absolutely unacceptable, mate. 10 minutes. You guys own money. <laughs> no, that's cool. Fuck. Have fun. Fuck. Thanks for having me on here, boys. I uh, uh, appreciate it. Very quickly, would you like yes. to – can you plug your social medias that the wonderful people can follow you on? Oh, yeah. Uh, Search me on YouTube, L-E-W-I-S-S-P-E-A-R-S, Lewis Spears, like the weapon. Uh, it's, I'm just Lewis Spears everywhere. Uh, Google me, you'll find a whole bunch of news articles about me being arrested and being a cyber bully. Don't believe them, <laughs> they're all fake, but they're a good laugh. <laughs> Fantastic. That's it. And uh, one more little request. Can you give us a catch you later, cunts? Absolutely. Catch you later, cunts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thank you very much, Lewis. And this has been episode 11. Once again, DNT uh, podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, all the same name. Everything. That's it. This, uh, we out on archive.org. Still working on trying to get onto iTunes, but we will get there. We will be there soon. That's it. I've been Jesse. I've been Gavin. I've been Jesse. And we will see you on the flip side.